today on The Way Up Show. Again, it's good there is an affordable option, but if you want to solve the problems with upward mobility, you got to start working on building wealth. And mobile home ownership is basically a show about nothing with regards to wealth. You're listening to The Way Up Show, a podcast for anyone who thinks the housing market is broken and we can do something about it. My name is Jonathan Monk, but most folks just call me Monk. I'm the founder of Maslow, a company that makes the world's best backyard office studio. We believe in home ownership for all. Here, I'm talking about the history, design, technology, economics, culture, and the future of the housing industry and the power of home ownership to change lives. Good morning and welcome to the most honest and hopeful housing industry show out there today. Well, it's 1990 and I'm taking you back into my childhood. I'm hiding behind a big deciduous tree in a lightly wooded grove and the grass is wet this morning like it usually is. It seems like this used to be some kind of orchard. I have on a neon pink shirt with a chest pocket and some sort of shorts with geometric patterns and other neon colors. What else would I be wearing? There's a squirrel running up an adjacent tree with an acorn or some other kind of nut, I assume. The tree I'm hanging on to seems like a cherry tree with that flaky, shiny brown bark and pits on the ground that look like the ones I spit out when I eat cherries. I can see my dad just about 50 yards away, standing on the roof of my grandmother's trailer house. He's got a long pole in his hands, with a paint roller screwed onto one side, a five-gallon bucket of white sealant next to him, and he's rolling on the stuff methodically. I wonder if I'll be allowed to go up there ever. It appears that won't be happening today, so at least for that day, I can swing from the branch of this tree instead, which I do. My grandmother's inside. Her name's Jessie Cook, and she was a widow and had been since long before I was born. And once again, she was having problems with the carpenter ants and water leakage in her trailer house, so we were there to help out. Well, my dad was there to help out, and we were just there. But on other weekends, we did do other types of work there too, where we all worked together, like trimming the juniper bushes, painting the door frames, refinishing her back deck, planting flowers, all good memories. Grandma Cook is my grandma on my mom's side. My grandpa had died when my mom was in high school, so I only ever remember grandma living alone in the mobile home. When grandpa died, she had to choose where to go to live. And with his sudden death, medical bills, and meager social security money as the main source of income for her, she had to choose between an apartment, a mobile home, or to stretch and buy a small, regular, single-family home. She opted for the mobile home. So she landed in a mobile home park in a small manufactured home. Those places, they just have this distinct smell. I remember she kept it super clean, but you could feel the floor move when someone ran through it. You could smell the moisture all the time. The doors closed with a snappy tin sound. It was a lengthwise seam going from the front to the back on the ceiling, where the carpenter ants would drop down from time to time. You could hear whatever was going on outside really easily. 
We played in the woods behind her house mainly because she worried about us going anywhere else in the neighborhood, but we did like playing in the woods in general. When she died after being in that home for nearly 23 years, she didn't have much of an inheritance to offer her children, just some furniture and china and other keepsakes. She had worked for much of her adult life as a bank teller, yet at the end, she didn't have a lot to her name. This fact doesn't tell much of anything about the kind of person she was, but it does shed light on the way things work in the States about how wealth is generated and how upward mobility works or doesn't in many cases. You see, since mobile homes depreciate in value like a car, there was nothing really to pass on when she died. The home was worthless. In fact, it cost more to just move it than it was worth, so the house was most likely demolished on site and scrapped. If only her home were connected to the ground in a different way, she could have left behind hundreds of thousands of dollars in inheritance. At the time of her death, the average house was worth $115,000, or nearly $200,000 in today's money, so a house for her could have helped with retirement for her kids, paid for several grandchildren's college education, been invested into stock or other equities for long-term investment, or paid off a mortgage. But that's not how the mobile home industry works. In past episodes, we've talked about wealth creation, how crucial land and home ownership are to the building of prosperity that truly lasts. Today, we're going to build off that, but take a bit of a side road. You may have already guessed it, but we're going to talk about the mobile home industry, or actually manufactured homes is a better term, because really mobile homes these days, well, they're not very mobile. This industry is one of the biggest unseen, unnoticed, and yet massive parts of the housing market, but most of what goes on is completely under the radar, which is true of a lot of aspects of lower-income individuals, actually. In reality, mobile homes are the single biggest source of unsubsidized, unaffordable housing in America. And yet there's a nasty underbelly to the mobile home industry that isn't so pretty. Actually, it's quite predatory, to the exact groups of people who most need the help, namely the poor and the elderly. Did you know that 9% of single-family homes in America are manufactured or mobile homes? I mean, it's a big category. First, let's talk about why mobile or manufactured homes are an attractive purchase for people to begin with. The big answer, or maybe the only answer, is they are cheap. The average cost of a manufactured home in 2020 was $57,700, while the price of a single-family home, townhome, or condo was just north of $282,000. And who knows what the market has done since then? It's crazy out there, as all of you know. So for people who can't afford a home, or even a condo, or some other type of permanent home ownership, a mobile home is the best option, or probably is their only option especially if they want to own and not rent. And that's how we have 18 million people living in mobile homes in America. The whole mobile home thing actually started way back in the 1870s in North Carolina, where people had beach huts that teams of horses would move during the off-season. Then, in the 1950s, they evolved into trailer coaches designed to be towed behind their Pontiac custom star chief safari wagon and drive out west to see all the national parks and experience the great american family road trip when post-war housing shortages became a big problem and work was still 
transient for a lot of people, the mobile home was born. Through the years, they've gotten longer and wider, but the essential characteristics are the same. It is built in a factory off-site. It has to be able to be transported on American highways. Those, you know, big size limitations. It has to have its own chassis, and it can't be permanently attached to the ground. Hence, they use the term mobile. The mobile part of the name really only comes into play during the initial transport. After that, they're really not mobile. They just don't hold up to second moves. Now, this will be a newsflash to no one, but homes are increasing in value like crazy right now, and it's putting a lot of strain on middle and lower class people. Remember that spiral of despair we went down into a couple episodes ago about millennials and their plight around homeownership, debt, wealth creation? Some estimates say that in 2021, housing prices surged about 17% on average. That smashed the record, which was, by the way, just set one year earlier in 2020 of 11%. So to give you an idea, the expected appreciation percentage for a house normally is 3.5%. So it's looking pretty bleak for a lot of potential homeowners at the moment, and the mobile home industry is champing at the bit because of this. Now, the U.S. lacks affordable housing options big time. One sociologist who teaches at the University of Denver, Esther Sullivan, has highlighted some of this problem. For some of her research, she actually lived in a mobile home for 17 consecutive months and is now actively fighting for more affordable options, a very noble and awesome goal. She's a great voice for the vulnerable and coined the phrase manufactured insecurity as a defining aspect of manufactured homes, which is true. It's not just the structural manufacturing, but it's the manufacturing of the entire ecosystem, which we'll talk about in terms of just how predatory and and dangerous it can be. But in some respects, she and probably others miss the mark on what's going on here with the economics of mobile homes. I mean, really at its core is the question of, are we just trying to put roofs over people's heads Or are we actually trying to help people economically prosper and create intergenerational and intragenerational wealth creation over time? I would argue the more that we can influence prosperity, the better the solution is. It's true, the U.S. does lack affordable housing options, and the biggest option out there for those that want to own something is a mobile home. But mobile homes can't be the solution that others seem to vouch for, at least not in terms of the economic prosperity part of that. Four years ago, Miss Sullivan gave a TED Talk about mobile homes and affordable housing. Listen to this bit of her talk and try to figure out what might be missing in her conclusions. She says, quote, Homeownership has long been a source of stability and a principal source of wealth in the U.S., and mobile homes are a primary way that low-income households break into homeownership and start building that wealth, close quote. Did you catch it? If you listen to the past episodes and know anything about the mobile home industry, maybe you did. Let's be clear. Home ownership creates wealth. Mobile home ownership does not. Mobile home industry perpetuates economic persistence in income. Live in a trailer park? You're gonna stay poor. Why is this? Well, it's simple. Mobile homes don't appreciate in value. So it's great for people to be able to own a home... But in my eyes, that isn't really fully realizing the American dream. Not until you have an asset that appreciates in value, that you can then use to generate some wealth. 
But mobile homes are a different animal. They aren't like built-on-site homes. Those differences are crucial to know how the market works and how those values are created. The key thing to remember here is that land is king. Mark Twain said, buy land. They're not making it anymore. It's a great quote, and it's true. Dave Ramsey, the financial advice guru, oh wait, the script says guy, the financial advice guy, not guru guy. Well, he says the mobile homes are just cars you live in. Actually, he probably should have said they are huge, broken down cars that you live in because at least a car can drive somewhere. And it's true, 99.9% of cars depreciate the second they roll off the lot. Well, at least they used to be before this crazy car market came to be in the last 18 months. And they don't gain value for the entirety of their lives. Unless it's a classic, you know, like a Toyota FJ Cruiser. Or might I just indulge in a mid-80s BMW M3 E30? That one with the, you know inline six and a five-speed manual transmission. Oh, just, I mean, it's they're great. Yes, please to that. But I digress. Most cars are not like that car and they do depreciate in value. Classic cars can appreciate in value because the market deems them worthy. They're in limited supply. They'll never be made again. And they are in high demand and there's not many of them around. So all of the ingredients around what makes something valuable. That's not really the case from mobile homes. And this is important to realize how people view things and how government entities categorize things kind of determines their value in the free market. In the case of mobile homes, the government taxes them like they tax personal property, like a car, not as real property like a regular home. In fact, in many states, you pay your sales tax on a mobile home to the Department of Motor Vehicles. And ironically, lower taxes are one of the things that people who sell mobile homes emphasize as a big benefit. Well, you're only going to pay a little bit of taxes, but if you buy a regular home, you're going to pay a lot of taxes. Well, what they're not saying is that the reason you're paying lower taxes is because it's not considered an asset. It's a disposable thing. And this is critical because the second factor that influences whether a home appreciates in value is whether it is connected to the land. Because mobile homes aren't connected to land like normal built-on-site homes, they do not appreciate in value. And to make matters worse, a lot of people living in mobile homes don't own the land they live on, they rent it. So though they have a home, it never appreciates in value. It's sitting on rented land, which is appreciating, just not for them. So they have no asset growth at all. Again, it's good there is an affordable option, but if you want to solve the problems with upward mobility, you got to start working on building wealth. And mobile home ownership is basically a show about nothing with regards to wealth. Unfortunately, things can get even worse for people living in mobile home parks. The industry itself is, well, you'll see, it's, it's not good. We're going to take a quick break here. Sometimes when you see the long line of cars and feel the uncomfortable headset pinching your ears while the meat is on the griddle and you're flipping each patty just at the right time and you can see the never-ending list of orders to fill while the fryer is beeping to get those fries out of there, it is so amazing 
when you get that 15 minute breakout back by the dumpsters and you can check out the gram. And that's a segment I call The Way Sideways. On October 27th, a news article was published on UPI with this headline, Mobile Home Abandoned in the Middle of Missouri Road. Police in Missouri are asking for the public's help to solve the unusual mystery of a mobile home abandoned in the middle of a road. This is what the Greene County Sheriff's Office posted on their Facebook page about it. Remember, this is in Missouri. Quote, star, 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 happening now, star, star, star. Greene County Sheriff's Office is seeking information about the pictured mobile home. It was abandoned near the intersection of Farm Road 168 and Farm Road 97 near Republic. If you have any information regarding this mobile home or who it belongs to, please contact the Greene County Sheriff's Office Crime Tip Hotline. And then they list the number. I mean, look this up on Facebook because the pictures are great too. It's a trailer home from at least... I mean, I can't imagine it's newer than the 1980s. It's probably from like the 1950s or 60s. Really old. Painted a flat tan color. Rusted out everywhere. Just sitting on some bricks in the middle of one lane of a two-lane highway. No tires even. So like, I don't even know how it got there. What was it being pulled by? Someone thought the tires and wheels were worth something and took those off when they left it. And the comments on the Facebook page are great too. I'll read a few of them. Did anyone knock to see if they were home? She got the kids, the car, and the house. I wonder if they were on house arrest. Next up on Fixer Upper, Highways Gone Sideways. So, really hilarious. Well, I guess, with the housing market the way it is, I can see why people would try almost anything to make that work. What I'm wondering is, what was pulling this thing to begin with? That would probably be just as fun to see. Anyhow, that's all for today's segment of The Way Sideways. Now we're going to head into part two of today's episode where things get a little dodgy. Esther Sullivan, the sociologist we mentioned before, called the mobile home industry manufactured insecurity, and that's exactly right. I can't say all, but many mobile home park owners take advantage of their residents. For example, listen to this story just published a few weeks ago on January 3rd. This comes out of a local news story in Tallahassee, Florida, where tenants got new management for their mobile home park. When 2022 rolled around, the management hiked up the rent from $339 a month to $889 a month for the land the mobile homes sit on. And worse, Months previous, this same new management forced tenants to purchase their mobile homes or face eviction. Now, you may wonder why that is so bad, and we'll get into that in a bit, but basically this means they have to pay rent for the land their home sits on or abandon their homes. And not a little bit more of rent, more than double the amount of rent, just to stay where they are with no plausible benefit to them. Remember, They also can't really move those mobile homes more than once. They just simply fall apart. They're expensive to move. Three to five thousand dollars for a local move is average. And if you're a low-income person, good luck finding that money. Joyce McMillan and her husband, along with other people who've lived in this community in Tallahassee for decades, were forced to leave. How are you going to come up with five hundred plus dollars more per month 
and have to buy your mobile home that you've been renting for all these years. So they had to leave this community that they've lived in. And Macmillan herself, a veteran, now lives in a hotel. Because you know how affordable it is to live in a hotel, right? It's sketchy. That's probably not the right word to describe this sort of thing. Maybe heinous or nefarious are better. And this kind of mentality for managing these communities is common. And I know because I enrolled in the number one source to learn how to invest in and manage mobile home parks called Mobile Home University. Now, just to be clear, this wasn't an economic move for me by any stretch. I wanted to learn what was really going on behind the scenes. But you don't have to enroll in the program or buy the CDs. Yes, it comes with compact discs, and I don't even have a player to play them on, but they do come with digital as well. But you don't have to buy those to see what is taught. A lot of this is on the website's blog. I'm going to read a couple of excerpts, and then I'll read a couple of excerpts from the actual manual. This is written by the owner and creator of this program, Frank Rolf. You tell me what this sounds like. In an article trying to persuade you to invest in mobile home parks, he says, quote, hedge against U.S. economic decline. If you believe that the U.S. economy will continue to decline in the years ahead, under the weight of social programs and the drag of an aging population, then mobile home parks are virtually the only form of real estate that performs better in a recession. As America gets poorer, mobile home parks are the only form of housing devoted to this demographic, close quote. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit like preying on the poor and the elderly. Or what about this from the same article, quote, Barriers to moving out. Another interesting barrier is the difficulty tenants have in moving their home out of the mobile home park. It costs around $5,000 to move a mobile home, so virtually no tenants can ever afford to move. As a result, the revenues of mobile home parks are unbelievably stable. But what happens when a tenant cannot afford to continue to pay their rent? Then they normally abandon the home, and the park owner ends up with the title under the abandoned property laws, close quote. Continuing on, he says, quote, As a result of the high cost to move the mobile home, tenants cannot leave when you raise their rents. Besides the ability to raise rents, even in a recession, you also have the ability to cut costs, such as sub-metering water and sewer usage, close quote. In one mobile home park owned by Frank Rolf, he rents his units for $550 a month, or you can buy it for $500. He incentivizes the purchase so residents are caught in the trap of owning the mobile home, which is going to need repairs and appliances and maintenance. Having to stay in the park forever, having their rent go up year after year, or on the other hand, taking ownership of the unit and paying these other fees for an asset that is not going to appreciate. Or they can just abandon the home if they can't afford those. Now here's some more from this course. I'll read from a couple of the actual excerpts in the handbook. It's called the Mobile Home Park Home Study Course. And here's what it says. This is on page 302 of the manual. Quote, Often with a bad tenant, after the first month, you notice that you haven't received your check from your new renter, so you have the manager stop by and ask him where the rent is. He says that, pick one, lost his job, wife got sick, car broke down, got thrown in jail, kids in the hospital. And he promises to pay you as soon as he can. And by the way, you need to immediately fix his, pick one, kitchen, faucet, or toilet, broken doorknob, air conditioner not keeping it cold enough, stairs. 
Days pass and you did your part fixing the house, but still no money. Finally, you file for eviction. You go to court and he does not even show up, but he is still living in the home. So you file for a writ of execution to toss the bum out into the street. The day he is to be tossed out, the constable left a note on his door. He runs off in the middle of the night. You open up the door to his home. It's normally locked and here is what you'll see. And he lists a bunch of damage that's been left by this person. That's bad, but hardly not the end of the world. One of the benefits to being a mobile home landlord is that the homes are easy to repair and the customers are not very discriminating. So the repair and maintenance numbers are far lower than any other form of real estate. One other section I'll read here. Learn from the tenant laws regarding repairs. Go by the lowest standard you can to meet your state's minimum habitability guidelines. Forget the usual real estate sales pitches of pride of ownership, etc., because that is not a priority for them. The compelling reason is future cheap rent. Of course, they will have to do all the repairs, but that won't enter the thought equation most of the time. It's disgusting. This is what's being promoted. This is what's being perpetuated. This is grinding the face of the poor. I'll let you be the judge of whether this is moral or not for yourself, but here's a quick summary of the mobile homeowner plight. Mobile homes don't appreciate in value. There is no wealth creation here. A large percentage of mobile homeowners don't even own the land they sit on, which means they must rent it from the owner, and that rent can be changed at any time, and it often does go up year after year. To add to this demise, the land is usually in commercial areas, and if management wants to up and sell, it's easily done with so many other businesses around, and it's easy to rezone that land. This leaves residents in a hopeless situation. Where are they going to go? Mobile homes are expensive to move and will be damaged if they move, and so they aren't moved, they are abandoned. Many mobile homeowners either must stay in the mobile home park forever, and keep in mind that the rent is going higher and higher every month, or abandon the home, leaving it to the park owner, who then just goes and turns it around to the next person. So not only are these people's homes not an appreciating asset, but they're actually creating more financial burdens because of the way this whole system is set up. You can either rent it from the landlord and they can increase the rent year after year for the home and the land, or they'll say, you can rent this land and you can rent to own the home. But then essentially what's happening is you're buying this asset that's worth less every year and you're on the hook for repairs, maintenance, and everything else that comes with it and people are none the wiser. This has got to change, folks. The rich are grinding the faces of the poor. Mobile home parks are financial prisons, not the affordable housing panacea they are often made out to be. Fortunately, there are some good things on the way that can help these people and change the system. One way is adjusting the way the park is owned. Remember, land is king. Instead of having someone own the park... The park residents themselves share ownership of the park. This is kind of how condos work a little bit. One nonprofit called Rock USA aims to do just that and help residents take ownership of their communities. That's the way it should be done. Another way to help with the housing crisis is by shedding light on the problem in hopes that legislation 
is paths that can help these people. This path can be slow and difficult, though, you know, the government is a blunt instrument. The Build Better Back bill, which aims to partly increase the supply of homes by incentivizing construction and lowering housing costs, well, it's floundering right now, at least at the time of this recording. It's not in a great place. It's stalled in the Senate during December, and it's kind of in doubt of ever being passed. But from a philosophical place, more and more leaders are promoting the idea that housing and shelter is a human right. Even the UN supports this idea, and consequences of establishing this idea are far-reaching, making it a larger impact in overall city stability, health, national security, and on and on. I mean, if you have stable shelter, then what does that allow you to think about next? Other things, right? You move up the hierarchy of needs. From what I can tell, the United States is the only developed country who doesn't today recognize this right, and they need to. Now, whatever side of the fence you land on with that debate, it's clear that affordable housing is needed. It's a big problem to tackle, but one that we can solve with ingenuity and hard work. So there you have it. The Way Up Show with Monk, produced by Randy Strew of Envision Podcasting. Associate writer, David Monk. You can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Way Up Show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you go to listen to your favorite shows. 